Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Today I'm actually in Random Lake. Uh, I'm at home, so uh, working here from home today. It gets a little hot in my office, so don't mind the noises in the background. Those are just part of the deal. Kids playing piano, doors opening and closing, dog barking. It's real life. <laughs> All right, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our memory verse this week is from Ephesians. We say it together. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I'm going to adjust my mic here before our song. Yeah, there we go. Even better. All right. Our psalm for this week is Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked flourish or sprout like grass, and evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Just adjust this a little bit more. There we go. Yes. Our reading for catechesis today is continuation of Matthew's Gospel, still in chapter 25. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and made another five talents. 
and likewise he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his lord's money. After a long time, the lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. The Lord said to him, or his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So also, you ought to, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with some interest. So take the talent from him. Give it to him who had ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away, and cast, and he cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. Or cast. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, another parable of the kingdom here. Maybe one of the more challenging ones. We'll see. Uh, what is the kingdom of heaven likened to today? Yeah, a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Well, you might say handed them over to them. Now, who is the man traveling to the far country? Remember, who is he talking to here in this discourse? To go all the way back to the beginning of chapter 24. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, whom he will send as his apostles at the end of the gospel, right? After his death and resurrection. So the man traveling to the far country is Jesus. Now, who are the servants then? That's right, his audience, the apostles, and then all those by extension who serve under the apostles in the apostolic office of the ministry. So what are the goods then that are entrusted to them? You see how the same... Um, Jesus keeps telling the same, teaching the same truth, um, but with different nuance through multiple parables in a row here. So we don't want to read these in isolation, read them as a sequence. That's right. The goods that are entrusted to his servants, that is the apostles, are the preaching of the gospel for the forgiveness of sins, absolution, baptism, and the Lord's Supper. Those are uh, entrusted to us as our sacred uh, responsibility to, to care for and to use, actually, which is part of the point here right? So how are the goods divided? Are they given equally? <laughs> we talked about this last night in regards to St. Paul saying he's the least among the saints, right? Uh, one untimely born, prematurely born. Yeah, to some, or to one, five talents is given, to another two, and to another one. All right. Now, what did the one with the five talents do? 
It says, look, I have gained five more talents beside them, right? What did he, how did, what did he actually do with them? It's not the banker thing, because that's with the third man. It's simply that he gained them. That means he used the five and he gained five more. Um, this is probably connected to what Jesus, or what the, uh, the third man says in verse 24 about reaping and sowing. All right. Now, what did the one with the two talents do? Again, same idea, right? I have gained two more talents. So he took those two and he worked them, he used them, and he gained two more. All right. Now, what about the one with the one talent? That's the third man. Yeah, here he dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money <laughs> under a bushel, if you like. Yeah. What's the importance then of this phrase, settling accounts? We actually heard this before uh, back in Matthew 28 with another, or excuse me, Matthew 18 um, in another parable there. This is the uh, parable. Well, it has to do with forgiveness, right? And then uh, Jesus gives kind of a parable, and it's also talents here. So Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, right? So now pay attention. That's what that word means. Therefore, haughty in Greek. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to, here it is, settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, right? So here it's a debt and settling accounts um, has to do with actually forgiving the debt of his servant, forgiving the debt of his servants. It's connected to that. Here it's in a, it's in a flipped sense, right? Um, how was that forgiveness used? Was it used to forgive others and thus gaining others for the kingdom? Or was it um, buried, hidden, if you like? What did the master call the first two servants? Yeah, it's really helpful. Encouraging word here. Well done, good and faithful. Good and faithful, right? Godly and living according to faith, that is, trusting in the mercy of the master. What is the joy of the Lord then referred to in uh, verse 21 and verses 23, right? Enter into the joy of the Lord. I think that's fairly straightforward, right? That's to be in the presence of the risen Lord. But where? He's not talking about the heaven. He's talking about um, being with Christ in his, in, in his church and at his altar, right? Because we're talking about caring for the goods that he's entrusted to us. So enter into that joy, all right, that we receive from him. Um, maybe for more on this, think of, I'll give you a few examples from Matthew's gospel. How about Matthew 2? When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, right? We're talking about the magi there. Um, or maybe, uh, yeah, Matthew 3. 13, remember the parable of the, the hidden things, right? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field, right? For the joy of saving it. And of course, um, you have the, you have the, uh, yeah, the women at the tomb in Matthew 28. That's a good example. The angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. 
and indeed he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and, there it is, great joy, and ran to bring his disciples word. All right, so what did the man with the one talent say? Yeah, he knew the Lord was a hard man. Hmm. Reaping where he did not sow and gathering where he had not scattered seed. He was afraid and he hid the talent in the ground. He knew that the Lord was a hard man. Um, I think this comes up in the meditation here in a minute, but the idea that he relates um, to his master, not according to mercy, but according to the law. All right. Judgment. What's the importance of the harvest? He's talked about this multiple times. We've, we've studied it as we've gone through Matthew's gospel here for the last few months, right? This summer. Sorry about the door. It's just part of the deal, right? Yeah. He said to the disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Uh, it comes up again later on. Again, talking to his disciples and the work of the church. Uh, here it's a, the parable of the wheat and the tares, right? Let them both, both grow until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and to burn them and gather the wheat into my barn. And then later when he explains that, that parable, what does he say? The enemy who sowed them, that is the tares, is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. That is his messengers. Uh, which I would argue actually are his apostles there. Remember, angel doesn't necessarily mean, mean uh, non-corporeal beings with wings, but <laughs> it means messenger, right? And the Lord uses all sorts of messengers, all right? But it could be simply angels. So he's talking about the proclamation of the gospel um, until the end of the age. What about the term for sowing, you see? Reaping where you have not sown. Right, so where, what about sowing? Well, we had the parable of the sower, right? And the sower of the seed. Um, this is all throughout those parables of the kingdom in Matthew chapter 13. So you can go check those out. Jesus, again, uses sowing um, to be likened to the preaching of the gospel. So the harvest being the last day and the sowing being the preaching of the gospel in the church today until that day. How about the term then for to gather? We have that in verse 24 as well. Well, gathering, we heard, again, was with the um, gathering them into bundles, right? It's again, it's the gathering of all the saints into um, the harvest, that is, up to the last day to be gathered into his kingdom. So what's wrong then, again, with the this third man's view of his master? Again, he saw him as hard, and not merciful. He relates to him according to the law and not according to the gospel. And was the man right? Yeah, he was right about everything except for that you are a hard man. <laughs> the Lord does reap and gather from the seed that is sown by the preachers of his gospel. Right? The Lord gathers, but it is those whom he sends with his gospel that do the sowing. Right? So what does the master then call the servant? Not good and faithful, but really the opposite, wicked and lazy. So to be faithful um, does have that component of, of doing, right? And to be faithful, blessed is he who hears the word of God and keeps it, right? And, and that idea of keeping not only has the, um, the component of hearing, but also then the hearing leading into a life of faith, 
uh, the Spirit working fruits, that is, actions, in love for neighbor. So what should the man have done? At least put it in the bank, right? Deposit it with the bankers so that the master received interest when he returned. Um, there's two other times in Matthew's Gospel that bankers are mentioned. It's not a common expression. Yeah, they're indirectly mentioned uh, in Matthew 15, so we haven't talked about that yet, so we should look at that. Let me jump there in my Bibles here. Yeah, so these, these bankers or these masters um, actually are mentioned in the Jesus' relation to that Gentile woman, the Syrophoenician woman, the woman from Tyre and Sidon, um, when she says, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. All right, so that's an indirect, it's, it's the master of assets is the idea there. Um, it's the uh, curio, the curios, so the one who's, who has great possessions. And then also, um, this one might be a little stretched too, but I think it's worth looking at Matthew 21, which we looked at not that long ago, at the cleansing of the temple. This one's probably a little bit easier um, to see, actually. Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the, there it is, the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. All right, so the word there for money changers is colobistus. I don't know that word, colobistus. All right, so yeah, two references, I think, are referring to these tables, right, that are used by bankers, right? The first with the master. Um, the master's table and the second with the money changers in the temple. So these would be the tables where you would, they would distribute the funds. It's kind of an interesting connection, right? So um, what does the master do with his servant? Takes the one talent from him and gives it to the one with ten. Then he casts the servant into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? So the judgment isn't against... Um, is, is, the judgment is actually for his relationship to uh, his master, seeing him as hard and then in, in fear and terror, um, not using what was entrusted to him. And in this case, speaking to the disciples, not preaching as he's been given to preach or administer as he's been given to administer. Meditation on this. At Christ's ascension, he instituted the office of the holy ministry to proclaim the gospel of the forgiveness of sins. There he entrusted his gifts of baptism, absolution, preaching, and the supper to his preachers. The minister is to work with these gifts to build the church of Christ, that is, to call sheep into the fold through these gifts so that more may be saved. While one indeed may have an abundance of understanding of these gifts, as indicated by the five talents that symbolize a full knowledge of all the law and the promises, think Moses, another may have a basic understanding of christ who is both god and man symbolized by the number two representing the two natures of christ or perhaps law and gospel both can work only with the life-giving word for the good of the church the wicked and lazy servant refuses to work with the means that christ has given to the church but hides them beneath all manner of popular and trendy means because he sees the lord as a hard taskmaster who expects personal success from the minister he would be far better off simply to let the means of salvation continue to exist. For even if he was a totally, totally incompetent, the supper would still be there to feed the people. Pastors who despise the true word and sacraments are warned that they will be cast into the darkness. All right, so our meditation.
right? So rather, even, even the most incompetent pastor, if the word and the sacrament are allowed to, uh, uh, to, to be, to simply be at the center of the life of the church, even then, um, he would have been commended in the end, recognizing that everything that happens in the church is by the grace of God. And just trust in his mercy that he will work it for his good. All right, let's confess our catechism. What is confession? Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins, and second, that we receive absolution, that is forgiveness, from the pastor as from God himself, not doubting but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. Let us pray. Merciful Father, you promise us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As I come before you for confession and absolution, teach me to consider my place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Work in me true contrition and repentance. Give me a desire to live a new life. Help me to know and confess my sin truthfully. As I receive my Savior's forgiveness, comfort my conscience, renew my life, strengthen my faith in him, and restore to me the joy of your salvation. All this I ask for the sake of my dear Lord Jesus Christ, who died for me and shed his blood for me upon the cross for the forgiveness of all my sins. Amen. On this Thursday, we pray for the church and for her pastors. We pray for our missionaries, especially the Federowitz family. Pray for our teachers, especially those teachers at St. John, as they prepare to begin the school year. We pray for deaconesses. We pray for all the mercy workers of our church, especially for LCMS World Relief and Human Care. And we pray for all other servants of Christ in his church. Pray for the fruitful and salutary use of the blessed sacrament of the Lord's body and blood. We pray for our first responders, doctors, nurses, and all those who work in nursing homes and hospitals. We pray for deliverance from pestilence, sedition, and rebellion. We pray for our military personnel. On this August 27th, we pray in Thanksgiving with those who celebrate their birthday, John, Chad, Terry, and Eric. We pray also for those who celebrate their anniversary, Gus and Eileen, there you are in the chat, uh, Clarence and Linda, and Dick and Jean. We pray in Thanksgiving uh, for the confession of faith made by our confirmands this past Sunday, Blair and Alyssa. And we'll also pray for those who will make their confession this week, Natron and Nicholas. We also pray for healing for those who are ill or recovering um, or currently receiving treatment. Marcella, Jan, Virtus, Ron, Brad, Janet, Tim, and Carol. Pastor Lindau, Sandy, Linda, Joan, Ken, Aaron, Roger, and Jean. Pray that the Lord would comfort those who are in hospice, especially Steve and Carol. Pray that the Lord would also relieve those who are grieving, the family and friends of Fred Wilk Jr. Pray for those who are isolated due to COVID at home, Bev, David, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Let's pray the collect for this week. Almighty and everlasting God, always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than we either desire or deserve, pour down upon us the abundance of your mercy forgiving those things of which our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things that we are not worthy to ask except through the merits and mediation of Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, 
one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, today is actually uh, another commemoration. Today is the commemoration of Monica, uh, the mother of Augustine. And unfortunately, I don't have um, kind of a summary for you, but you can Google search her and find out more about her. Uh, let's see if I can find a collect for her. Ah, I don't have a collect either. Well, my phone is absent from me. I don't know where I put it. So uh, do a little search and say a little prayer and thanksgiving uh, for the work of St. Monica. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, for Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. We sing our hymn for this week, Baptismal Waters Cover Me. Baptismal waters cover me as I approach on bended My Father's mercy here I plead for grievous sins of thought and deed. I look to Christ upon the tree, his body broken there for me. I lay before him all my sin, my secret secrets from within. Lord, may your wounded hand impart your healing to my broken heart. Your love alone can form in me a heart that serves you joyfully. From your own mouth comes forth a word, your spirit speaks, but you are heard. Through him your hand now stretches out, forgiving sin, destroying doubt. 
Baptismal waters cover me. Christ's wounded hand has set me free. Held in my Father's strong embrace, with joy I praise Him for His grace. All right, that concludes our Congregation of Prayer for today, August 27th, 2020. So glad to have you with us all here today. And it's been my pleasure as we Oh, we're almost done with Matthew's Gospel uh, in our study. Um, next week, by the way, we'll begin a new uh, new school year and thus a new actual cycle for our congregation of prayer. Uh, we'll be actually looking, as we do each year at the beginning of the school year, at the Ten Commandments, and then the Creed, then the prayer. Uh, and then that gets us close to Christmas. We hear the Christmas and Epiphany readings. Uh, and then we have the Table of Duties through the remainder of the year and readings that are appropriate to all of those. Um, the sequence this coming year will be through... Um, Old Testament will be in Exodus, and then uh, when we get to the New Testament, uh, towards the end of the school year, next summer, we'll be in the Gospel according to Mark. So, um, our, our Sunday lectionary is a one-year series, right, where we have the same cycle every year, um, but our daily prayer lections actually follow a three-year cycle. So, um, you get the three-year cycle, but even in a much more full and comprehensive way than you could possibly get with just Sunday service. So, uh, that's my preference as to how to go about it. And I hopefully it's a blessing to you. Yeah, you're welcome, Chris. You're welcome, Eileen. Happy anniversary again. Thanks, thanks, Don. Uh, my mom there is there too, and my aunts. Look at that, our aunt uh, and Tim. Oh, good to have and Michael. There's Michael. Good to have you all again with us. Oh, and by the way, uh, if you weren't able to uh, join us live last evening, you can of course watch on replay um, or listen uh, via the podcast to our Bible study in First Corinthians 15. So we got about halfway through, and uh, we'll. Tackle the rest of it next week. Lord be with you all, and we'll see you again tomorrow.